Welcome back to the Esports Forever podcast. My name is Ryan Hebert, alongside Jacob Schrader, delivering you some of the latest in esports, NFT, and crypto news. Getting started today, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 recently dropped. It has a lot of criticism. We'll get into the article in a moment, but Jacob, he just told me some fascinating news about uh-huh. downloading the game. And then uh, I guess what what's going on? What's going on with that? Yeah, so I played a lot of Call of Duty. And I was looking at this game last night, and you know, I was like, you know what, fuck it, whatever, I'll buy it. It was seventy four dollars. I oh played my four minutes of it, and I have already gone to Activision support and said uh, I'd like to process a refund. Uh, if you didn't know, Activision Steam, if you buy the game and don't play more than three hours of it, and it's within a fourteen day window, you can get a refund even for a digital copy. Uh I don't know. It's the same old Call of Duty to me. And there are just too many other free-to-play games that aren't taking $70 from me that are just more fun. Like, so much more fun. Um, I don't know. I think Warzone 2 will will be big for Activision. Uh This game just isn't it for me. This is not it. This ain't it. That's what I I felt like. Well... I only played a little bit of it. I, you know, I think your sentiment is shared amongst many in the Call of Duty community. However, the president and CEO of Hundred Thieves, Nade Shot, does uh, does have a little bit of optimism for the game. While he recognizes the criticism that is that is out there for the game overall, he goes on to say in this article from Dexterra.com to say, "Look, I've played every Call of Duty. I've played all of them, and I've I've competed in in many of them." But keep in mind, he did retire from competitive play in Call of Duty after Advanced Warfare. So just keeping that in mind, um, he's like, I, you know, I've played them all. I he's been playing like the casual matches for this one. I think not like super competitive stuff. He's like, look, it could be worse. Call of Duty games, they're really unique, and this is something I wanted to touch on as we started off today. How many other? major game titles will have different game studios tackle the same title but with a different name we know this because you know uh black ops is different than call of duty ghosts or modern warfare is different than black ops different studios take on different titled call of duty projects people have their favorite and it's it's no surprise these Call of Duty games can feel very different from studio to studio, and that's not a mistake. That's purposeful. These yeah. studios need to differentiate themselves from the other studio, and so the smallest of details and tweaks are made, and sometimes players like that, and sometimes they don't. And so yeah. far, it seems that this is the game where players are they're not digging it. They're not. So the, the biggest change that they made was like, two years ago at the start of Warzone, they basically took the engine that had made every other Call of Duty game and redid it, right? A completely new engine um, that Warzone was built on. Yeah. And the first game that was ever launched for that engine was Modern Warfare, the original. And that wasn't a very popular game either. Um, It was okay. Obviously, that that engine is really good for Warzone, right? It's the engine that allows Warzone to have 70-story buildings in a map that is gargantuan. It, it is a more powerful engine, right? It's like yeah. Frostbolt from EA. It's got crazy graphics, but it doesn't have that, you know, incredibly nostalgic, bouncy COD feel. It's not a Treyarch engine, right? Treyarch makes 
the, the games with zombies in it are the Treyarch games, like Black Ops series, like Cold War. And I thought Cold War was honestly the best Call of Duty ever for competitive. Um, it was just so exact and so satisfying to watch. I thought it was unbelievable for competitive. But this game, you know, this engine, it, it doesn't bode so well for the traditional multiplayer Call of Duty. Um, you know, it, it's it's too realistic in a sense. I, you know, the, the engine is built for for Warzone. Um, yeah. So them going right back to this engine, and, and they did it back-to-back, -back, right, with Vanguard. Vanguard was also built in this new engine. I thought they were going to go back to Treyarch, but they didn't. And I think that's the biggest thing, is, is Treyarch should have made this year's Call of Duty. Um, they make the, the, the boxy multiplayer Call of Duty is best done by Treyarch. The, the game in general and the, the other engine is better for Warzone. But that's not what you're selling here. You're selling the same thing you've you've sold in the past, which is multiplayer COD. Agreed. Agreed. Well said, Jacob. I know you've got a little bit of uh, COD context over uh, over me. And you know what? What's really funny? My girlfriend is actually a, like a longtime COD player as well, and that's so awesome. she she's like, I have no interest in playing this new COD. It looks like crap. And I go, yeah. really? She's like, yeah, I don't. I really, really don't. It does. And, and so. It's unfortunate. Nate shot. I mean, I guess if you're the president of an esports org like 100 Thieves, you got to give yourself probably some optimism and put a statement out there that favors Call of Duty, seeing as that, you know, the COD franchise in general probably sponsors them in some yeah. way, shape, or form. You can't Absolutely. just be publicly shitting on the game if you expect to still have a, a COD team in the latest title. Sorry, yeah, but he not knows, sorry. He knows better. And he, I mean, he rose from COD. Like he's, exactly. He's the, he's, he's the COD guy. So he's not saying anything. I mean, he's doing the right thing here. Yeah. I love Nate Shot myself. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, speaking of another popular title series, League of Legends Worlds is going on right now. And I found this really cool article that talks about how there are nine champions in League of Legends that are currently undefeated at Worlds <laughs> and have a 100% win rate considering, you know, uh, this is the only like big main event that they're in. And so according to stats site Games of Legends, Yumi, Sivir, Yon, Jace, Braum, Kindred, Karthus, Nocturne, and Rakan are all undefeated at Worlds. However, Karthus, Nocturne, and Rakan have only been played once. The article then continues to go on and remind, remind players of uh, some of the like biggest games for these champions and how many they've played. Um... You know, what's funny is that the magical cat Yumi is I, I don't know if it's if it's fair to say that this has a hundred percent win rate when literally all you do with Yumi is sit on another champ and press buttons. You cl you click buttons. It's honestly a little bit of a of a BS champ, but you know what? It's okay. It's fine. Um some of the other notable ones here, Kindred, like is a fantastic jungle, and then Sivir is like a crazy ADC that is just so powerful. And when paired with Yumi, respectively, uh, they have tons of wins. So I can understand and see why all of these champs here that are listed as undefeated are undefeated. It's just a lot of these champs can be played to flawlessness. And that's what these players need to do. Play them without flaws. So at the end of the day, it does not surprise me. I thought it was a cool little fun fact to include for today. Really, really cool stuff. You know what's also really cool? We like to follow storylines here at Esports Forever. And this one, this one I love. Netflix adds an additional 
in-house game studio for the Netflix gaming plan. Remember talking about this, Jacob? We talked about this a while back. I do. They talked about how they had five different gaming studios, and they were releasing a whole bunch of titles by end of year, which, by the way, I have not heard of anything on, on this end whatsoever when it comes to Netflix gaming. But apparently, they are still deep diving. Deep diving. So if we if we recall what we had talked about previously, Netflix said, we aren't competing with Hulu. We aren't competing with HBO Max or any other you know cable provider making their own streaming service. We're competing with Fortnite. We are competing with video games in general. And so what is Netflix's answer to that? To make games based on their TV shows and more. So, for example, they're producing a Witcher series, which... I got to be honest, probably is going to suck now that uh, Mr. Henry C. is dropping the Witcher series to go star as Superman again, which is just hilarious. People are like, why is he leaving? And it's like, why do you think he's leaving? He's he's working a multi-million dollar deal with DC now that James Gunn and some other guy are heading the whole, you know, whole division over there. It's like, why would he not? Mm-hmm. They are about to make. Glorious, glorious DC film projects for at least the next 10 years. As long as James Gunn is alive and well and doing his thing, the next 10 years are going to see DC-level movies that are at a Marvel quality, if not better, because they are more recognizable superheroes than Marvel. Period. That is that is my hot take. That is my hot take right there. But we're not here to talk about DC and superheroes and that stuff. We're here to talk about how Netflix is adding an additional in-game, in-house movie studio, game sorry, yeah. in-house the, game studio. Oh, my goodness. It's it's the, a lot. The biggest thing I see from this is um, th- this studio focuses on harmless and cozy games, harmless and wholesome nature. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's... <laughs> It's, it's interesting, right? Maybe this is just one of the niches that Netflix is hiring for. You know, I, I'm going to guess The Witcher is not a, a harmless and wholesome game. Not really. It would be cool. You know, they, they do have that, you know, they do have it going where they have their own IP. I mean, the, the, the real game that could take off is a Squid Games game, and that's actually Netflix IP. I don't know how much other successful IP Netflix truly has. Right. They for a while they were licensing all of their content and, and now they're obviously going with the in-house route. I, I don't know if they're only creating games based on their IP. They don't have so much of that yet. And and it, it seems a little weird to me. Like our it's it just not fully fleshed out yet. We don't have all of the details. Yeah. It's good to see for the gaming industry. It's it, it's interesting. It's very, very interesting. I will say that. You know, Netflix's interest into games is an interesting thing to look at. Um, I don't know. How, how do you how do you see it playing out? I don't know how they're going to compete with Epic Games, as Epic Games is is an is now an epic in the gaming world. You know, Ep- the Epic Game Store has not crashed and burned like uh, the Origin Game Store. Uh, right uh, you know it, it's still around it's still here they're still offering free titles left and right fortnite is still a cash cow rocket league is still okay doing well and some of the other titles that they've picked up too i mean epic games is now a serious contender with steam and um 
you know, for Netflix to just sit there and be like, yeah, we're going to start offering games. It's like, so you going to offer the games via Netflix.com or are these going to be yeah, games that are in thinking. Steam or Epic Games? That's exactly like, what I was thinking. Are they going to, are you going to play these games from Netflix.com? Well, and is I, that I don't know. I don't know about that because Google Stadia is, is gone. Google Stadia is gone, right? Like that was one of the bigger things for, for gaming yeah. online, streaming games. Xbox Game Pass is has actually been experimenting and using, you know, games that you can just stream and play. You don't you don't have to download them. I saw that recently. Yeah, it um, could also be HTML5 games, right? That, yeah, those that are lame though. Those are. But lame. It, you know, do you think they'd be looking to make games? You know, I don't think they're looking to make esports, right? Are they looking to make games that you have to check in with? like once every hour right and and kind of like rpg games or or like those mobile games where you used to you know we they had we had a ton of them when we were kids sure where it would be all simulation based and you would you know over time get energy back and then you could raid right you know from a clash of clans perspective yeah i think that may be the play if they want to have them on the the netflix.com but I'd be really interested to see how these games are distributed because that's the real question mark. Yeah, well, right? Netflix has always was the leader in dis- distribution when it came to movies and TV shows. That's how they started, right? That whole mm-hmm. company got started because they said, you know, F Blockbuster, we can do it better. And they did. They would mail you your your DVDs. I remember my dad would get some all too. the yeah, time. Yeah, crazy. You know, I'd be like, ooh, what, what, what do they order from Netflix now? And then it was, oh, we're going to do online streaming. And then they were one of the top, you know, streaming platforms for a number of years in the early 2010s. And then it was, well, now you have competition. Congratulations. And they did. Hulu popped up. And then obviously after Hulu, you've got, you know, some of the smaller brands. And then obviously Disney was like, well, we're going to take our time and get into the space really carefully, which they did. And they've done amazing. Period. I mean, it's been interesting watching Netflix because, it, you know, just thinking about that shipping DVDs, it seems so strange to me to do that now. It, it would be so strange to do that now. It would. But it was such a big deal at the time. You Technology, didn't. It, it, it's, it's crazy, right? You didn't have to go to a blockbuster to get a movie. You could go online to rent said movie and then. You'd get it a couple days later, three, three, maybe two, maybe three days later, something like that, and then you just mail it back. I mean, that's a big money maker not only for Netflix but for the U.S. Postal Service and and more. Yeah, right. No wonder why the U.S. Postal Service is doing so bad now. They don't have Netflix <laughs> to help help send movies through the mail. You know, I can't snail mail. You know, big big daddy. Or uh, uh, Daddy Daycare, you know, whatever. Something like that. Something like that. Okay, moving on. I know. I thought I thought this was a dead game. I really did. But you know what? Apparently, they're still going to keep creating content for it because uh, the season one of this game ends November 15th. That game is Multiverses. We've covered this game in its infancy when it was just in beta, and we've covered this game through release. And then we talked about how this game was officially dead. Well, they recently recently released a, a new uh, patch with new characters involving Black Adam from the latest Black Adam movie from the DC franchise. And um, 
They added on uh, some other features on top of this as well, and so they're hoping that this brings brings some type of revival. I, I got to say, this is an article on esports.net, and it's, it is it is an optimistic article compared to what I've seen in other places, saying that there are upcoming you know tournaments for multiverses, and hopefully this will breathe new life and, and provide a new character uh, for, for players to play as. So Black Adam, they're describing as a bruiser with a, you know, up-close fighting combat similar to that of Batman with some abilities similar to that of Superman uh, when it comes to their fighting kits as described in multiverses. So it should should make an interesting character for players to pick up and try. I don't know if, you know, releasing a fifth new character is necessarily what's going to bring the game back from just dying because yeah, it's not Super Smash Bros. I'm sorry. You know the, the the biggest thing I see in this article is these new game modes, right? Yes. It looks like they're alongside with the character themselves. There are always uh, no, no, that wasn't exactly what I was looking for, but um, silly. So so it looks like they're adding something called silly Q, and this feels more like Fall Guys to me, right? And that's where I think this game could really survive is if it's a casual game, right? We talked about this, and my issue was is that this game is like a straight-up eSport, right? There's no, there's nothing else to it. It's it's how good are you at that main game mode. Yeah. And that main game mode gets old unless you're playing at the highest level and, and know the intricacies and, and all of that. I think they should have really casual game modes. I mean, they have the IP for, like, every single kid's favorite TV show right now. Why is it in a competitive esports title? Or, uh, and I'm not saying it's necessarily a competitive esports title, but but at the limit of this game, that's kind of what it boils down to. At least what's included thus far. Agree. I do think this silly queue and this arcade mode that they're talking about could actually bring back a lot of young players to this game who just want to live in the universe and play as their favorite character, right? Uh, we, you know, we we could see a rise of casual gamers with with multiverses, and I'll tell you right now, I've I've learned this early: casual gaming and that audience is far bigger than the competitive audience because the amount of time it takes to put into being a competitive player for any esport is far greater than that of any casual player just wanting to to sit back and and simply, you know, play play a title uh you know just just for fun yeah i agree up next let's uh let's make our way into gaming and uh crypto just a little bit here jacob your face is by the way yeah i'm, I'm trying to plug my computer back in i apologize you're all good you're all good i just got it beautiful play to die model is making itself known within the the metaverse I just want to go out on a branch here and say this is not a new concept. Your character having one life and then dying and having to start over again is as old as as games can be. So yeah. just just going out to say that this article is like what a revolutionary idea for crypto and metaverse gaming. You know, have it permanently recorded on the blockchain that you die and now you have to start over again if if you do raising the stakes for for greater viewing. It's like what the hell do you think Fortnite is? Yeah. Like, yeah. it's like what, what these games, yeah. it's like you start with nothing, 
You gather your supplies, and then you, you know, once you, you have one life, you could be brought back, right? But that is if, you, if you're playing with a teammate and not solos. This is not a new mechanic, and it just makes me, once again, skeptical of crypto and, and just like the, the general buzzword of, of metaverse, which is really just, I, I can't remember what CEO said this recently, but the metaverse is just a really bad video game. Is what it is. <laughs> they, it was it was described by a big studio head that said, "Yeah, anyone trying to make a metaverse is just making a really bad video game." And I I completely agree. Until we start seeing like an actual metaverse that provides, I don't know, mind you know mind breaking. Um, I don't even know what to what to say other than this is not new. And so this person, you know, they kind of credit this per this person in the article with being like. Uh, it's it's my idea to be like, why don't we just uh, bring permanent death to blockchain where everything you have gets burned? And it's like, have you played Minecraft? You drop your stuff, die in some lava, your stuff is gone. You get respawned, you don't have your stuff again. You know, I, I don't know if the metaverse model here is to say that, you know, what whatever metaverse you're in, if, if you die, your stuff gets burned and you can never come back. And it's like, well, okay, that's cool, except for the fact that if you're talking about making this a spectator-type thing, what makes you think the spectators would come back if their favorite you know, favorite creator dies and then is not allowed to restart? Yeah. I think the, uh, the... I mean, the only real difference here is supposedly in this game, if it's a blockchain game, if they die, right, they may have some stuff of tangible value, and yeah. that's not... It's it's debatably the case, right? Because if you die in RuneScape and you have an account that you were, you know, figuring out ways to make real money on, you know, first of all, I think that's technically illegal, but that didn't stop. I mean, from yeah, it doesn't stop people from doing that. Come on, it's RuneScape, yeah, it, baby. It's RuneScape. Got to make some money. <laughs> I, God, I actually, for some reason, you know, watched a RuneScape video. It's crazy. I, I still like remember. I remember the whole process where this kid in my first grade class, second grade class, told me about RuneScape. And it was RuneScape and there was this other game. I can't remember the name of it, but we used to play RuneScape all the time. Um, I play RuneScape and Spore. Those were the two games. Yeah, it was, the other one wasn't Spore. It was something It was something else. It was like Pokemon-esque characters. Huh, okay. But yeah. uh, it, it, it didn't go as far as RuneScape did. You know, I don't know. I, does it say the actual name of the game title? No, it's just an idea. That's all yeah. this article is: is play play <laughs> to die. It's the term that they wanted to coin, and it's like, oh, okay, that's not, yeah, but it's not new whatsoever. No, it's not. It's not. I think I think I know a game that's doing this, and it's called Star Atlas. And Star Atlas actually just got picked up and was added to the Epic Game Store, which is crazy. Which is really big news, actually. Um. Maybe we want to talk about that next week because I, I haven't looked into it enough. But I do, you know, we talked to Star Atlas a while ago and they do have this play to die mechanism in the game. And if they're getting picked up by the Epic Game Store, they've got an actual debatably AAA game, right? Does getting picked up by the Epic Game Store make you a AAA game? I, I would say probably not. Maybe, yeah, I don't but know. But it's getting close. It's, it's, getting uh, it's certainly something. It's getting there. It's getting there. You know what's also getting there? Dogecoin leaping 94 plus percent in the past week, mofos. Let's go!
94%. Oh, yeah. Weekly gains <laughs> after Elon Musk takes over Twitter. The Doge <laughs> is back on the rise. We're in the That's... green. Once again, my holdings stay true. I've been a hodler when it was high, when it ducked low again, and now it's it's back up on the up and up. It's going. It's going. Last week, a little week and a little bit before that, it was sitting around like it was bobbing around like six to eight cents. It's now bobbing between 13 and 15 cents and growing. That's awesome. Yeah. I uh, I can't I can't say I own all the Dogecoin I started with, but I still have some. And I'm not going to lie. I'm going to consider selling it now. But uh, uh, yeah, I don't I I, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't blame you, although I'm still waiting because I've, I've still got some. Well, I never sold, period. First of all, I didn't want to be taxed short-term capital gains. I wanted I wanted long-term capital gains. So I was like, well, I'm holding for at least a year, period. Um, but now, now that it's been at least a year, whew, I'm ready. Ryan's ready, baby. We're we're ho we're hodling, and we're sti we're sticking true. We're sticking true. So, you know what I love is that there's this guy who poured his life savings into Dogecoin. He goes by like Slum Doge Millionaire on Twitter. And so this, it's just been funny to see him popping off on Twitter about being a, <laughs> like an actual millionaire again. Because uh, like he's, you know, he's making his, all his money back after pouring his life savings into Doge super, super early on. So yeah. it's, it's funny. It's really funny. Um, but yeah, you know, this is no mistake, though. Uh, Elon is posting like, like content on the Twitter again, like, you know with Shiba Inus and stuff like that uh, to, like, get people going and riled up. Uh, right now, there's a lot of controversy around uh, verification on Twitter. Elon, in the past couple of days, has been pro proposing that anyone can get the verification badge by paying for Twitter Blue. And so, um, you know, a lot of people have been going back and forth on what it means to be verified. How would they distinguish someone who is actually, like, really, really verified versus just anybody who's paying for a blue check mark. But I'm going to be honest, Jacob. You and I both have been in the crypto NFT space long enough to know that there are people who are cheap enough who cannot afford to pay 8 to 20 dollars, you know, a month for whatever. And, you know, kids included. So this this could actually be a really nice way to differentiate the people who I guess if I want to say like aren't cheap stakes, but at the same time it's like, look, I'm not trying to bash on people who don't want to pay for Twitter Blue, but at the same time, it's like if they're proposing a real way for verification so that you know that the person you're talking to has has a card, they have a credit card or debit card, they've put money down to pay for this Twitter Blue. That's saying something at the very least to me that like, okay, well, they're a real person. They must be because, you know, this is getting paid for. So I like the idea. I understand why people don't want to pay, but social media platforms being free, I'm going to be honest with you, is is not a right. It's it it's a service that is being provided because those companies get so much money in ads that, you know, they can afford to keep, you know, doing everything for free, but that's not going to be around forever. I really don't think it's going to be, you know, a, a free for all forever. The largest platforms that are free right now, you know, they're free, but they're going to have, you know, pay to pay to play type aspects of, of these platforms eventually because, 
gamification is what it's all about and people are yeah. always trying to get above other people you know like linkedin has linkedin premium right uh you know linkedin is free but you can pay for premium and get some of the top features on that site yeah. how much you know how much longer is it going to be for facebook to to catch up to twitter running twitter yeah. blue and and instagram um I, you know I, I, you know i think it depends a little bit on the site i think some sites cater more i think the sites that are more focused on professionalism and I mean, Twitter really is at that point, but but LinkedIn is the best example, right? LinkedIn is, is a, people with money, right? You're, you're on LinkedIn because you're talking about business or progressing your career. Oh, yeah. Um, Twitter is a little bit of the same way, right? You have a lot of reputable people who spread their information via Twitter, right? The entire financial industry find, gets their information on Twitter. The entire football industry gets their information from Twitter. That should open the door for Twitter to have a freemium model. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense for Twitter. I think they will have a freemium model. I've been thinking about this for a while for some weird reason about Twitter, just because it's it, it went from zero to hero so fast. Like all of a sudden, it was a reputable site. You know, it, it's when someone gets injured in an NFL game or it, if there's a trade that goes to the first place I go to is Twitter, right? Mm -hmm. The all the information is always on Twitter first. Um, it's it's crazy what they've done. You know, I think the the low character limit is part of that where it's quick you you have to type out your tweet and it doesn't take very long because it, it's 180 letter 100 or 280 characters um i don't know but i i do think that's coming i thought it was interesting also elon's laying off i saw a maximum of 75 percent of the staff uh which is crazy but uh i, I mean i i think there's a lot of a lot of numbers going around. I don't know if, if it's entirely trustworthy. Oh yeah, he did just say this is to, false. To say, yeah, so I just want <laughs> I just want to say, um, you know, little hard to call. Like how many people are actually getting the boot and how many people are you know staying around. So you know, um, we'll see. We'll see as time goes on. Um, but for the moment, you know, he. Um, He's doing what he what he does. He changed his bio to from chief twit to chief uh, customer. It was like customer complaint hotline, something <laughs> like that. Because um, everyone's just going to Twitter to at at him and be like, "Fix this, Daddy Elon. Fix this. Fix this." <laughs> you know. So it's funny. I mean, he is a man of the people. He is a man of the people in some some aspects. I mean, he's got he's got a, a big part of the world in the palm of his hand on Twitter. He does. Um, wanting wanting him to do a bunch of stuff. So, in time, we'll see what happens. We'll see. Now, this next article is is a little a little serious, but at the same time, I, I thought it was really really funny. Reading into it initially, uh, Coinbase files to support Ripple against the SEC. Now, first of all. I love the regulator SEC. I love them cracking down on all, all of these bozos who make money off of consumers without any consumer protection. And so the SEC has been cracking down on, on people as a regulator in order to protect consumers. However, bad SEC, you're not letting these companies know ahead of time, keyword, ahead of time, that they are not doing the correct things. So in this article, the sentence that really capsulates like 
this whole thing at, at its whole is the regulator has not engaged in rulemaking that would provide regulatory clarity companies want. Now, first of all, I would argue none of these companies want regulatory clarity. Okay, if that was the case, de this decentralized network of crypto would not be decentralized because you would have a strong regulatory network to tell these companies what they can and can't do. These companies are basically operating in the Wild West of gray area crypto and NFTs. Yes, we know there are some things you can and cannot do when it comes to putting in money and trying to hold an NFT as a, as a security, period. We know that. That has been established over the past five, three years, okay? But there are still loopholes. There are still gaps. The SEC is not an overnight regulatory system uh, on crypto. You know, they have other financial institutions that they're in charge of, but it just so happens that there's so much money going through crypto right now that they're like, well, I guess we need to focus our attention on this and provide some regulatory oversight. Problem is they're cracking down on Ripple for their XRP accusations and allegations in 2020. The problem is Ripple is claiming that there wasn't enough regulatory oversight in advance to allow them to keep enforcing these strict policies that they want to enforce. And so the argument is in court that how how is the SEC legally allowed to enforce their regulatory matters when there isn't regulatory oversight and rulemaking being done in the first place? It's a good point. It's it a great point. And it's it's honestly hilarious that Coinbase, you know, Coinbase uh, is, is a competitor to Ripple, right? They look over at Ripple and they see, you know, they see see them kind of crashing and burning and they're like, okay, buy Ripple. Like, we'll take XRP off our platform. We don't have to buy and sell it. But as quick as they were to drop XRP off of Coinbase, Coinbase sees this as an opportunity to go, no SEC, you can't go after Ripple because this would, would, this would set a precedent in court, depending on how this really goes, on how further, you know, uh, rulings are to be made and given with the SEC, which means that Coinbase is probably going to try to sneak out a whole bunch of other stuff before the SEC can start making rules that go against some of what they do in order for the SEC and the government to make more money. At the end of the day, the SEC and any federal agencies, all they want to do, they just want to get their cut of the profit, right? The people making money, what? You can't let people make money without without the government making money. That'd be crazy. It'd be insane. You know, that's what a central authority wants. They want some some type of income coming from the people because obviously the people shouldn't have all the money. That'd be wrong. Anyways. I, I agree. I think they, they do need a solid framework to be put in place. They can't. I mean, they can do whatever they want, but they shouldn't be doing that. They should have a framework in place because that's just going to help everyone out. Right. People are going to know there's a framework. They're going to follow it and it's going to make their life a lot easier. Exactly. It's going to make a lot of lives a lot easier, but for now, for now, we'll see what ha what ends up happening in court. Hopefully, we can follow this along and see uh, what the case ends up uh, turning into, what what the result is. Up next, Rick and Morty co-creator Justin Roiland launches an NFT collection and sees fourteen million in trade volume hours after its mint. This is no surprise. Justin has been on a bender of creation with Rick and Morty, Solar Opposites. They recently released a uh, number of shorts for Halloween on Hulu as well. 
this guy's cashing in. You know, they've done yeah. he's he's done voice acting and 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 animation for video games now. I mean, he's doing it all. He's got a cult yeah. following. This how, article. How did, his, how yeah. did his second show go? Solar Opposites. Yeah, I love Solar Opposites. It's funny. It's show, animated too, right? Yeah, it's pretty yeah. much the same same style. Right? Yeah. Okay. The show has a really strong A, B, and C plot. And so, uh, you know, it's really cool to see the three of those plots kind of intertwine at different points. A plot is the two adult aliens. B plot is the two younger aliens. And then the C plot is either uh, miniature humans in a in a wall or uh, they, they like are supposed to take care of this like little baby alien thing that's supposed to consume Earth and then consume the aliens and then start a new civilization for that alien race. If raised correctly, the pupa. Sorry, they have to raise the pupa. So the pupa uh, will have uh, like a seat, like a side story in some episodes or they'll focus uh, an entire episode or parts of episodes on these shrunken humans that uh, the the B plot has like shrunken and then put into like a wall like like it's a big terrarium. It's really funny. It's it's messed up, but wow, the plots are good. The plots are good. It's it's funny. It's funny for sure. But uh, again, you know, this Rick and Morty co-creator, man, is he cashing in? He really, really is. And they both have. They both have have really milked the success of Rick and Morty, and they're they're gonna keep doing it until they're like, okay, we're done. This article is kind of funny because, like, I think it's kind of it stereotypes like crypto people uh, as to like being big Rick and Morty fans. Um, like right away, it's like, yeah, Rick and Morty is a is a big thing in the in the crypto world. Lots of crypto geeks and nerds like Rick and Morty, and it's like, this sounds like a. I I'd like to see proof of this claim to to really <laughs> make sure that you're actually telling the truth here because. It really just sounds like you're stereotyping a whole group of people who happen to be knowledgeable about Web three rather than just like, you know, like liking a you know a, a funny yeah, dumb TV that. show. But anyways, anyways, it's 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 fun. It's fun. Lastly, Twitter to allow NFTs through tweets. This is not something new. Um, this is something that we uh, have seen through through uh, through Instagram actually. Uh, Instagram uh, and Facebook were allowing folks to put down like NFT based tiles, so to speak. And um, yeah, I mean, Twitter's Twitter's kind of going to do the same thing. The article goes into, uh, you know, where they're allowing NFTs from to start. It's assumed that they will allow a greater reach of NFT wallets and libraries and places to, to be able to to show what you own on Twitter to, to other users. But at the end of the day, that's what it is, period. It's yeah. I mean, this will all, it, it actually says in this article that a Twitter blue premium subscription is not required to use this feature, but I'm going to guess a lot of the new stuff that they do at Twitter is going to be based around Twitter blue. I do actually think they're going to be pushing that pretty hard. Um, I do think Elon's going to have a lot of stuff in crypto, right? He's obviously not shied away from crypto in the past. Yeah. Um, it is hilarious that the guy who basically was the most popular guy on Twitter just bought the platform outright. Uh, Legit. I mean, can <laughs> you blame him? You know, if he loves the platform that much, 
It's not like it doesn't make a little bit of sense. I'm not going to lie for him to, yeah. uh, to buy it up. So, you know, it is what it is, but yeah, it, it's, it's interesting for sure. We'll, we'll have to keep an eye on it as, as we're moving forward here, um, to kind of see how it all plays out. That's kind of, yeah. kind of how it is with a lot of these articles and with the industry in general, a lot of the times we don't have the complete full answers until it's the very end. Look, the only full, like, decided answer and story that we've been able to complete here is uh uh what's his seth seth green remember that the seth green nft debacle where he had his his nft hacked from him and then held yeah. for ransom and then his tv show based around his nft had to be canceled and then it was put on pause and then the the guy who owned the nft was like actually i'll offer it to you for money now before he wasn't offering money, then he was like, "Oh, I'll I'll sell it back to you," and then he sold it back to him, and then the TV show was back, was greenlit, was put back it, on. Is uh, is it out yet or no? I don't I don't think so. I don't think so. Probably not I yet. I mean, I if I were him, I I'd wait a little bit and wait for the all that drama to die down before I would, I'd do anything. You know, I think people still can remember it enough that, from this past year, and that's what I'll remember most from this past year. Seth Green. Having his NFT stolen from him. Too funny. <laughs> Too funny. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much for watching the Esports Forever podcast this week, friends. We've got a couple more episodes coming at you this week. We've got Pokemon Day and League of Legends headed at you. Today was Newsday Tuesday. Ooh, I like that. I, I just I thought of it today. Um, or Tuesday Newsday, either one. I You know, it, it, it works either way. Uh, but, you know, it, it was a lot of fun to be here. Jacob, thanks for hopping on. And thank you, all of you, for watching our, our video and for listening in on our streaming platform, Spotify, Overcast, and Apple Apple uh, Podcasts as well. Until next time, my friends, we're out.